0: My message to new Christians is that the growth of your faith will be greatly improved by taking an active role in involving yourself with other Christians to serve Christ. You will then become a part of Christianity in action. You'll see how Christians handle joyous times and very difficult times and your faith will be strengthened. The Lord has blessed my life through all these years in so many ways. Especially in the good times and bad times, and in the bad times, I'm not—I'm not sure how I've gotten through that without him. And all he asks of me is to follow him, which means to be of service to others. Always be faithful to the church, so that you can have the choice—you can go to heaven. He's promised us that we're to cast all our cares on Him and He will take care of us. He does expect us to serve Him, and to love Him, and to obey Him, and to be an example to the world, that we're unique. We're different. We belong to Him. Understand that your purpose is to glorify God, and so whatever you do, glorify God in the actions that you take. Get to know your Father God more and to get develop some real close friends in our church family and there's ways that you can do this. I would suggest first of all that you become involved in one of our Bible classes and then along with that get into one of our small groups and then following that I would suggest that That you get into one of our ministries. God has given you a talent to use and we have a place for you right here at Richland Hills. Learn as I have learned of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you and what a blessing that is. He comforts us and enables us in every way. What a great blessing. Thank you, Jesus. I am so thankful that you are here this morning, especially if you're new to our church. So let me just take a moment to tell you what we're doing. We are studying uh, through the book of 1 John, and we're in chapter 2 today. And I made a decision at the start of this series. You'll notice that you have an outline, and during the course of the sermon, I will put some scriptures and some points up on the screen to help you fill out that outline. But I made that decision uh, at the start of the series two months ago not to put the main text each week on the screen because I want the church to get into the regular habit of bringing your Bibles and reading your Bibles with me. And that's why we bought Bibles and put them all over the church, uh, Bibles in the pews. Uh, And so if you don't have your Bible this morning, grab one of those Bibles And turn to page 680. We're going to read there in a moment. If you need a Bible, uh, please go to our hub. We'll give you a Bible to take home uh, before you leave today. Now, one reason I want you to know all that is because recently Sarah Schechter, one of our members, sent me a story about her seven year old daughter, Emma Kate. Emma was going on Sunday night with a friend to a ladies program at her church, and Emma had her Bible with her. And her friend's mother commented and said, Emma, I'm glad you brought your Bible. To which Emma replied, yes, we use Bibles now at our church. (laughs) And her friend's mother said, well, we use Bibles at our church too, Emma. And Emma said, yeah, but we haven't been. We just started. And so if you read or hear ugly things about our church, you can blame Emma Kate Schechter. <laughs> the fact is, we have always believed in the power of the Word of God. But you also need to know, I do not believe that power is released by a mere academic study of Scripture. That there is a reason for a new anointing. So open your Bibles to chapter 2 of 1 John. We're going to read verses 18 through 27. And I want you in particular to listen for two words. Listen for the word anointing. And listen for the word remain. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrist have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He has promised us, even eternal life. Now I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Now do you remember that John is writing to a church that has been disturbed because there were a group of people that left. And they left because they claimed they had superior knowledge. They knew things that went beyond what the apostles had taught the church. And they couldn't stay anymore among such a provincial, uneducated people. And so John is writing to assure them and he says, remember I told you not to love the world because it's temporary and it's passing away. And he says, now let me talk to you about how we know the world's passing away. Let me talk to you about how we know we are in the last days. The first thing he says we know is because Satan has sent many spirits to deceive. Their appearance is proof that this world is passing away. Now, John is not so much trying to identify a person and saying, there he is, he's the Antichrist. He's trying to identify a principle that has been embodied in many persons. In fact, look how verse 18 is translated from the message. You heard that Antichrist is coming? Well, they're all over the place. Antichrist everywhere you look. That's how we know we're close to the end. Now, I think this truth has a couple of powerful implications. One is... That Jesus must be real and alive and active in our world. Because Satan doesn't try to produce counterfeits unless there's something real to oppose. The reason he's producing fake Christ is because there's a real one. And he's active and involved in our world. But the other thing I think is very important to notice in this scripture. Is that it is possible to be in the church and not be in Christ. Those people that left had formerly been in the church but but john says they don't really belong to us because they never were in christ now it's interesting in john's day if you didn't hold to the apostolic teaching of jesus that he was god in the flesh that he came in a body that he died on a cross for our sins and was raised physically from the dead if you didn't believe that you would leave the church now in our day it's happening the other way around there's all kinds of of uh, churches and denominations that are getting fuzzy about jesus and getting fuzzy about his incarnation and his death and his resurrection and today many people that believe what the apostles taught about jesus are having to leave the church leaving behind a very liberal church because it's popular today to say oh we love jesus and we talk about jesus but we just don't all agree on who he really was and what he really did please understand The Antichrist spirit does not deny Jesus. It denies His uniqueness. It doesn't try to replace Jesus. It tries to reduce Jesus. And so you're hearing all over the world, among all the religions, even among many in Christian religion. Oh, we just don't agree on Jesus. But the important thing is... We all love and serve the same God. And that question is the identity and the work of Jesus. Is he who he said he was? Did God really come in the flesh and live among us and die for us and rise from the dead? If you take away the, the bodily appearance of God as a man, you rob Christianity of its essence. And so John has nothing to do with this thinking, well, we just don't have to agree on who Jesus was as long as we all serve the same God. He says, you deny the son, you can't have the father. Look what he says in chapter four, verse three, every spirit that doesn't acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist whom you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. In 2 John 7, he says, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not believe that Jesus Christ came to earth in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, folks, Satan's not going to stop the promotion of the great lie. In every corner of the world, he's going to spread the lie that Jesus really lived, that he really was on the earth, but he wasn't who he said he was. And so it doesn't really matter what you believe about Jesus. Just go worship God. It is the great lie. And let me tell you, Antichrist has come to a neighborhood near you. It's the reason for a new anointing. You see, Satan has sent many spirits to deceive, but John says God sends his spirit to defend. He says you have an anointing. Now what does he mean, anointing? Listen to Peter when he talked about Jesus in Acts chapter 10. He said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. We're in the last days in which God has made a final move in Jesus. And in this last age, the significant difference is going to be the presence of the Spirit. Do you remember when the church was birthed on Pentecost and the Spirit came in power upon the apostles? And people gathered and said, what is going on? And Peter responded, he said in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 of Acts, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. So from the very first day of the church, God has given the church a lie detector. He's given the church an anointing. This anointing is the internal teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit that points the believer to the truth of God and to the presence of deception. It is God's gift to every Christian just as Jesus promised. He said in John 14 verse 26 the counselor of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. That's not just a promise to the apostles, it's a promise to all of us. Look at Colossians or excuse me 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now remember, John's readers are being told that their understanding of spiritual things is inadequate. That they just don't know enough. And they can't be super spiritual like the people who left. And so John is writing and saying, inadequate! Inadequate! You've got the testimony of the apostles who saw Jesus in the flesh. You've got the witness of the Holy Spirit. What more do you need? Christians get deceived for two reasons. Reason number one is we don't grow strong in the word of God. We saw last time that John said, You young men, you've overcome the evil one because you are strong in the word. We get deceived because we don't grow strong in the word. And because we don't learn to live life in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us nervous. Some of us even grew up in churches where His presence was denied. I saw some time back what I thought was a mildly humorous little article about a man that had written a hotel. He was going on vacation. And he wanted to bring his dog And he wrote the hotel owner and said, my dog is very well-groomed and very well-behaved, and could I keep my dog with me in the room on my vacation? And he got back this letter. The hotel owner wrote and said, I've been operating this hotel for many years, and all that time, I've never had a dog steal towels, bedclothes, silverware, or pictures off the walls. I've never had to evict a dog in the middle of the night for being drunk and disorderly, and I've never had a dog run out on a hotel bill. Yes, indeed, your dog is welcome at my hotel, and if your dog will vouch for you, you're welcome to stay here too. <laughs> now, let me ask you, what has the Holy Spirit ever done that the church should be afraid? Now, we've done some dumb and hateful things, but what has the Holy Spirit ever done that we would be afraid to welcome Him in our church? There's a reason for the new anointing. Let John be more specific. The first thing he says is that this anointing lays on all true Christians. Remember what the prophet Joel predicted? God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Now, this wasn't true in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, only prophets and priests and kings were ever anointed. But then in the last day... Jesus came. He is our prophet, our priest, our king. He is Jesus the Christ. What does Christ mean? It means the anointed one. And when you have union with Christ, when you are baptized into His life and into His death and into His resurrection, you share in that anointing. Please understand that The indwelling Holy Spirit is not an option for Christians. It's not like, you know, you go to a car lot and you say, I want that car, but I don't want leather seats, and I don't want a DVD player. You can't say to God, I want union with Christ, I want forgiveness of sins, but I don't want the Holy Spirit because that's too freaky. Paul says, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. John says this is how you distinguish between the believer and the deceiver. Who has the anointing? 1 Corinthians 12 and in verse 3. So I want you to know how to discern who's truly from God. No one speaking by the Spirit of God can curse Jesus. You can't diminish Jesus. You can't belittle Jesus. You can't reduce Jesus if you have the Holy Spirit. And no one's able to say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this important? It's important because bogus Christianity always comes with special spiritual gurus. Every cult, everything that's ever branched out of Christianity that was sick and unhealthy did so with somebody who stood up and said, I have an anointing and if you really want insight, you're going to have to come under the influence of my anointing because I have something you don't have. Now John says, wait just a second. This text teaches the fundamental equality of all believers You don't need anybody to become the grid through which you read Scripture. You don't need any pope, any priest, or any preacher to tell you how to understand the Bible. Every Christian can know the full, reliable truth about Jesus, and every Christian can learn from one another. Because every Christian's been anointed. I read an Associated Press story in Glasgow, Kentucky. This lady tried to start her car and it just wouldn't start and she couldn't understand it. And she lifted up the hood and there was no motor. Somebody had stolen her motor. You ever been to a church where someone stolen the Spirit? Don't let people steal the Holy Spirit. It belongs to you. All people. Christians have been anointed in all things true about Jesus a false teacher wants you to believe that you can't read the Bible and learn anything without them John says you do not need anyone to teach you now what does he mean Please understand, John is not saying the church doesn't need human teachers. John is a human teacher. John is writing 1 John to teach. The Holy Spirit gifts people in the church to be prophets and pastors and preachers and teachers. John is not rebuking human teachers. He is rebuking human teaching. He is rebuking those who stand up and say, I'm going to give you teaching that goes beyond what the apostles taught you about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's never going to give you new information. He's going to give you fresh confirmation of the apostolic witness to Jesus. This is what Jesus said he was going to come and do. Look at John 16. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me. By taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And so the reason for the anointing is so that the church will stay loyal and uh, fidelity to what the apostles have taught us about who Jesus is. And what he did for us. J.I. Packer, a well-known theologian, was going one time to a church to speak on John 16, the text we just read. And as he drove into the parking lot on a dark night, the church had some landscaping and they had some floodlights kind of hidden behind the bushes to show light up on the building. And he thought, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not so much that he calls attention to himself. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to point out the excellency of Jesus in the dark world. Satan is always going to try to take the focus off of Jesus. He's always going to come up with some new understanding of religion. That goes beyond what we've been taught from the beginning about who Jesus is. John gives us this warning. 2 John 9 If you wander beyond the teaching of Christ, you'll not have fellowship with God. But if you continue in the teaching of Christ, you'll have fellowship with both the Father and the Son. That's what the Holy Spirit will help you do. Keep the spotlight on Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you to understand who Jesus is and what He did. The Holy Spirit will help you grow in confidence in Him. And the Holy Spirit will give you power to practice what He told us to do. Because I don't know about you. When Jesus says turn the other cheek and bless people that curse you and give to people that have need and don't ask for it back. And forgive 70 times 7. I can't do that in my flesh. The only way I can live the life Jesus called me to live is in the power of his spirit in me. And one more thing. The Holy Spirit is a lie detector. And he will alert you whenever you start to hear teaching that is taking the focus off of Jesus. And putting it back on men. 1984. I was going through a little bit of a spiritual crisis. I'd been preaching for about five or six years. And I was getting very frustrated at how most churches are completely content with anemic discipleship. Let's be honest. In most churches, very little is expected in terms of spiritual growth. And there was a group, they called themselves the discipling movement. Sometimes they were called the Boston movement. And they were reaching lost people in great numbers, unheard of, especially among churches of Christ. And they were calling for high commitment and high uh, allegiance to the real discipleship. And they recruited me. They flew me up to Boston for several days. Man, they treated me like a king, and they told me how much potential I had and how they could take me and turn me into a real disciple of Jesus and go plant a great church someday with me. And they even let me have lunch with their leader, which I was told was a very important uh, thing because he's very busy and few people could ever be with him. And I couldn't help but be impressed with the zeal and with the commitment but I began to be troubled. And I realized now it was the Holy Spirit troubling my spirit. I was, I was troubled that a couple of times I heard teaching that I didn't think was biblical. And when I raised a question, I was told quickly, you don't ever challenge the teaching of someone above you on the chain in the ladder. You get your understanding of the Bible from people above you, not just from your own understanding. And the other thing that really bothered me was where's the grace? The more I listened, the more I realized that this was all about what you do, what you accomplish, how many uh, notches on the gun you accumulate so that you could someday become like one of the leaders. It was legalism on steroids. Now, i got to tell you, if you're going to be a legalist, you might as well just go out 100% and be one. But I realize now the Holy Spirit was warning me. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't Jesus who was exalted. It was man. This is our gift. Why would we not welcome this gift and embrace it? I don't care how gifted the teacher is. If you're not open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the truth is not going to permeate. When you go home and read your Bible, do you ever begin with a prayer and just ask the Holy Spirit to open up the truth so that you can see Jesus more clearly? Why would you be afraid of that prayer? There's a reason for the new anointing. It's on all Christians, so we'll know all things true about Jesus. And we'll all stay true to Him. Did you notice that five times in our text, John mentioned the word remain? The reason he does that is because Satan's goal is for you to be a defector. And that's why, if you read your New Testament, just circle every time you see the word continue, abide, remain, endure, persevere. The Bible says, Colossians chapter 1, you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news, don't wander off from the gospel. But now, if you're going to remain, John says, you've got to receive. You've got to accept the anointing. Look with me at 2 Timothy 1. Hold on to the pattern of right teaching. You learned from me. And remember to live in the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. And with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard what's been entrusted to you. Jude verse 20 says, But you, dear friends, must continue to build your lives on the foundation of your holy faith and continue to pray as you're directed by the Holy Spirit. Didn't you love what Ruth Williamson said on our video? What good advice to new Christians. Learn about the indwelling Holy Spirit. That God has given to comfort and help you endure in the Christian life. Because you're either going to stick it out. Or you're going to bail out. In a hostile world, in the last days. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the strength to stand up. Instead of give up. In the old Greek Olympics, they had a race that was kind of unusual because the winner wasn't the first one to cross the line. Every runner was given a torch. And the goal was to finish the race with your torch still lit. Now, loved ones, that's what I want to do. When I get to the end of my race, I want the torch still lit. I want my passion For Jesus to be greater than when I started. We all know. Hundreds and thousands of Christians. And the fire is almost out. I don't want to be that. Neither do you. And what John is saying is that Christians stay. Because of a spirit-fueled passion for Jesus. The Spirit keeps us from ever giving up on Jesus. He keeps us from getting complacent in our relationship with Him. Your greatest need is to know Jesus more. To be more sure of who He is, what He did, and what He teaches. And it's your greatest joy. Back in the 1970s, they had an informal prayer meeting weekly in the white house a group of christians would get together every week for a time of prayer and to their surprise a man named arthur burns started to attend surprised because not because he was the chairman of the federal reserve system but because he was jewish and this was a very clearly christian prayer gathering And out of respect for him, they never called on him to lead prayer, but he was always welcome to join them. But one week, a new person was leading the prayer time and did not know that Arthur Burns was Jewish and asked him to lead the closing prayer. And before anybody could say anything, he stood and had everyone join hands and he prayed this prayer. Lord, I pray that you would bring Jews to know Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would bring Muslims to know Jesus Christ. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would bring Christians to know Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the reason for the new anointing. But you will never, ever have more of the Spirit... Than you want. And if you want to quench the spirit. You can do it. You have to want. To be filled and led. By the spirit of God. Why on earth. Would we be afraid of this. Afraid of God's gift. To keep us in love. With Jesus. And so I'd like you to bow your head now, please, and just pray with me. Just pray this prayer. It's not a dangerous prayer. Well, maybe it is a dangerous prayer, but it's not a goofy prayer. It's not a silly prayer. Just pray, Lord, I am open to being more under the influence of the Holy Spirit because I want to know Jesus more. Just take a moment. Pray that prayer. Thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. We receive with thanksgiving these eternal blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Elders and ministers are going to be at the chapel to receive anyone who would like to be prayed over today for whatever your need or burden is. I'll be down front along with some ministers and if today you are ready to begin your life in Christ, come and receive the anointing. You receive it by being identified and union with Christ. Be baptized today. Confess Him. Unite to His death, His resurrection. Receive forgiveness of your sins. Receive the gift of... Of the Holy Spirit. As together we sing and celebrate. Let's be standing please.